On this edition of Discologist, Eduardo and Kevin are exploring the wild world of Japanese jazz fusion through the lens of Mint Jams, the classic live album from one of Japan's mightiest jazz fusion practitioners, Cassiopeia. But wait, there is more. Would you like to hear about a new jazz funk banger from the band Butcher Brown? Eduardo and Kevin have got you covered. Would you like to take a slightly psychedelic trip into the fourth dimension of country with the band Geese? Eduardo and Kevin have got you covered. Have not had enough? How about thoughts on the new Rolling Stones album, the final Beatles song, Bandcamp, Spotify, and more? You guessed it. Covered. You know, saying all of this out loud makes it seem like a lot. Regardless, it is happening. I hope you have found comfort because your experience begins now. Congratulations on your new position as the Taylor Swift reporter, Your Honor. <laughs> Someone got that. I got all these people here to cheer for you, and like, <laughs> I hope you like it. <laughs> I, um, the, the part of my brain that, uh, was reserved for Taylor Swift has been focused on, uh, Fluminense, my, my club, my football club from Rio. Okay. They just won their first South American, uh, continental tournament okay. this last Saturday. Okay. That's why my voice is kind of fucked up. How's it make you feel? Uh, like a million bucks, dude. It was, uh, Saturday was, uh, one of, uh, one of like the happiest days I've had as an adult, to be honest. How's it compared to seeing pavement 50,000 times this year? Okay, it's been eight times. <laughs> in, actually, no, sorry. It was nine times on this on the current reunion. Yeah. Uh, and that's before we decide if I'm going to go They're to They're playing Brazil your country not. of origin, man. Come on. <laughs> and since you're in pavement, you can make these deals. So I think you should, you should get it done. Uh, yeah, it was different. It was different. This was something I'd waited like my entire life to, uh, to get to see and that I thought I would really never see. Um, Right. Because, uh, I mean, it's like the South American Champions League. Like, only the top four clubs from each country even get in. And my, my club isn't usually the top in the top four. Right. Uh, right. So, so you have to first qualify, and then you have to fucking win, which they did in glorious fashion. So, nice. if there are any Argentines, uh, any Boca Juniors supporters, I should say, some of, some of you guys like River Plate, uh, if book of junior supporters, you can fuck right off. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm happy for you, man. Uh, 150,000 of them went to Rio thinking they were going to celebrate a win over my team, and 150,000 of them went home sad. <laughs> man. That's a, man, that's a lot. Yeah. It's about the amount of people that are mad at the Rolling Stones record. But uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get there eventually. Uh, you know, we've been busy talking to people. Um, so I hope people enjoyed Jason Hawk Harris. I hope people enjoyed Israel Nash. Hell yeah. uh, I hope people listen to the Little Rain album, but it's been a minute since we, we talked about an album. And right. uh, for people who don't know, we're starting to wind down the season. We've got this episode, we've got the next episode, and then we'll do a wrap-up, like a yearly wrap-up. Yeah. We haven't been doing those, I don't, I don't think, in the past, And uh, but I feel like we should. Because time, time stopped having any meaning, so That's true. years didn't, That's true. Years didn't it, matter. It was, it was in the pandemic, so... Uh, but we're, we're going to do it this year. And it's not going to be like a best of, I don't think, because what is best? Uh, you know, but uh, that changes every every day of every week. But um, today, we're going to, I think it's going to be a little longer episode. We're going to talk to you about some music we love. You know the format. 
We're going to talk to you about, and this is your fault, by the way. So, uh, <laughs> Japanese jazz, uh, the name of the band is uh, Cassiopeia, uh, uh-huh. and, and the name of the album is Mint Jams. So, that's going to be our, our Mint feature. Jams. And then, in case you uh, haven't been paying attention, there's been a lot going on in the music world. Uh, in music journalism, in music releases, uh, in like union busting, for example. So Spotify, we're, we're going to talk about that after all that, because I think at the beginning of the season, we said we've talked enough about issues, but it's like mm-hmm. everything came at once. Everything just showed up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, so it, so it, it'll, be, it, yeah. it'll be a list, uh, but the list is going to run like this. Uh, Rolling Stones album, which is going to mm-hmm. be closely tied to the Beatles song, right? So that, okay. that's going to be one. Okay. One. Um, then we're going to talk about Bandcamp a little. And then okay. we're going to talk about Spotify. So, okay. is everybody aware of the agenda? I feel like and, setting and, an agenda and, this time. And, 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 you know, some of this stuff has happened so quickly. And as I said, I've been really... Uh, uh, only consuming content related to Fluminense and the Libertadores yeah, <laughs> trophy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so don't worry, listener, if you don't know what's going on, chances are Kevin will have to uh, do a quick little <laughs> yeah, <laughs> recap maybe. for me too. Maybe. So, but we're going to start it off with uh, music we've been listening to. And as we wind it down, I know uh, our mission has, has typically been what we a stated mission, at least uh, shout out stuff that is not as well known, maybe, uh, Stuff that just shine a light in corners that maybe aren't getting that light shown. Uh, so this is more shining a light in stuff that I have ignored. It's a band from Richmond, Virginia that formed in 2009 called Butcher Brown, uh, which I, I, I would imagine I, you've heard of them. I would imagine a lot of our listeners have heard of them, uh, given that they wrote the theme song for Monday Night Football. So these are jazz kids who have NFL money now. Uh, but they really hit in 2013, uh, and uh, it's Marcus Tenney on trumpet, Morgan Burrs on guitar, Corey Funbill on percussion, uh, Andrew Randazzo on bass, and DJ Harrison on keyboards. If you've listened to the show for, what, 11 years, you you know I've talked about the time I spent in Richmond, uh, the jazz scene there, the VCU jazz scene specifically, which they are graduates of. It's small, it's tight, it's super interesting. Players from this scene have gone on to be like in Bonnie Vare's band, for example. Uh, they, I mean, that's the bulk of the band. It was for a while. Uh, they they are playing all over the place. Uh, Dave Matthews' band even has had a few for from time to time. And uh, but I can't recall any time where a band has in that scene has been this successful, except for Space Bomb, which is not really a band; it's a collective. And Space Bomb yeah. was like the generation just under it. At any rate, they came out with an album called Solar Music uh, in October. I just started listening to it a couple of weeks ago. I cannot stop listening to it. And the thing about this is that it's not jazz. And maybe this is what I like. We talked about raw poetic earlier this year, hip hop. Uh, and, you know, we'll sprinkle hip hop releases throughout our seasons. This to me, feels a little more like hip-hop. It's got a metric fuck ton of guest spots. Uh, my favorite song on this album varies by the day. So the song I'm going to play right now is just happens to be like what I was feeling this morning when I woke up. But it really is a record that you hit play on and you just keep playing. It It is it's 
perfectly made. It's charming, uh, and it just fucking slaps. So this is Butcher Brown off their album, Solar Music. The name of the track is It Was Me, Car Chase. I think I went too fast this time. Should've sucked the writing rhymes all up in the mix. Doing tricks, losing track of time. Everybody know that ain't no firecracker type of shine. See when they bleed and we leave and we dumb and blind. They up on the case. Bitches all up in my face, living for the moment. Consequences I embrace. Yeah, that shit is stolen. But goddamn, I love the chase. And you'll be gone. And that shit is in your face. Oh, it ain't cold outside when I'm stepping off the jet. Land by the water side. Put the killer to the neck. Been to have a good night. Went to the bank and made sure the money was right. Fill it down in the core. Yeah, my shit is tight. Turn the switch on, but don't turn it up too right. Hit the switch on, and I'm lighting up tonight. Engine, I gonna be rocking, I'm feeling all right. Uh, just breathe for a second. I ain't finna be caught slipping butt naked. Yo, you know what it is, my check respect it. Don't recollect it, or I might have to wreck it. If it ain't, then I will correct it. If you don't accept it, I might have to check it. Breathe my soul on a record. This should take a toll, but I'm on a roll, so disconnected. Yeah, it was me. Butcher Brown off of Solar Music. Uh, name of the track is It Was Me, Car Chase. As you can hear, it had everything in it. And it really does. And typically, when we see bands trying this, it just becomes kind of a, a cluttered mess. You know? You're trying to do all these different things. And it just doesn't come together. Their secret weapon is the song. And the songs are just tight. <laughs> and you, I think you could throw any instrumentation at these things and it'd just be like, yep, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's rare. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of effort that people put into trying to bring uh, like an MC, like kind of like rap into a non-rap setting. Yeah. And, and to my mind, it usually sounds kind of goofy. Mm -hmm. um, like it's rare that the artists, you know, that the rappers like flow or that their style of singing is really well matched and sounds natural outside of, um, outside of wherever they would be normally. Um, and, uh, you know, I did not, I really didn't expect uh, to to enjoy uh, the vocals on this as much as I did. Like the actual rapping like, yeah. is really like I, I just thought for sure. You know, a lot of again, like a lot of times, this is not this is this is a, a broad indictment, and 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 maybe I'm being lazy here, but you know, in these situations, like the the rapper will usually end up a sort of featured uh, person. They just end up not having much to say. Or it's kind of, there isn't really a clear message or a sense of purpose. The energy is off or something like that. And and this is just, this just, this song just kept getting better. Yeah. Yeah. It keeps getting better. Like every, every element in it <clears throat> makes it a little bit better. And, you know, I, it, I, I'm sure you've heard of them before. 
that. Like, yeah. But I'm sure you had the idea that I had. Like, oh, this is like a jazz, and it ends up being like a jam band adjacent uh, record. I mean, Charlie Hunter yeah. plays on this. Like, that's never. Oh, I mean, yeah. as good as it's never a good sign. <laughs> well, these guys, these guys were featured heavily. I think at the last at last year's at the 2022 mm-hmm. Washington Jazz Festival. I want to say, yeah. Um, and they might have played the closing show or something like that. I didn't. I didn't make it, but. Uh, but 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 they definitely got a lot of attention from that, and that was kind of my first exposure to them. Uh, I liked this. I, I like this way better than 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 what I've heard of them so far. I haven't I haven't looked very deep into it either. Yeah. But uh, but this was really great. Yeah, and I'm gonna go back to the rest of the catalog because I mean I've, I've listened to them before, but nothing hit as much as this. So like I said, there, there's guest yeah. spots all over the record. Uh, for me, this is a hip hop record. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's a fantastic one. It's one of the best of the year. It's it's equivalent to the last one, like Tribe Called Quest did. Uh, for me, yeah. I, th- I think it's that like heady, uh, oh. and um, you know, I I'm just like, you know, these things, bands develop and pop up, and then you, know, you never know. I mean, you catch a moment, right? Right. I and mean, I think it 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 really is. And 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 like, do you know what I mean? That like, oftentimes when you try to combine, like, oh, here's a here's a genre that's like I where do. like there isn't usually someone rapping, and someone's gonna rap over it. Like, it just it just rarely works. Yeah. And even though you would think that like jazz and hip hop should always go well together, they often don't, or the person rapping ends up being so didactical. And so, you know, it just, it's just, it's just throwing, yeah, it's like I said, it's throwing things together and then it doesn't a lot of work. And and like, I think, I think there's like a lot of rapping on like the rest of the records too, even though it's more instrumental focus, but it's still, it is as described on paper, this is you and I coming from like a jam band background uh, in some some respects, like would see that and be like, ah, no, like no, and uh, so happy I couldn't be more wrong about yeah. this. Uh, this is this is, and this is up there for me with the uh, black classical music, the Yusuf Days album. Uh, this is this is that good. This is such a it's lightning in a bottle, and and I hope they continue because, like making these records. Yeah. Uh, but I know I'll be paying attention going forward. Oh man. I can't wait to I can't wait to listen to to more of their stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm going to take us a kind of a different direction, okay. although although maybe sort of similar in that this is a band that I'd heard a little bit of hype around over the last few years, and I was profoundly uninterested in in them. It <laughs> sounds terrible to say. Um, we're going to hear a song uh, in a second from Geese, not to be confused with Goose. Um, although probably Goose was part of the thing that uh, kept me off of them, if I'm being honest. Um, these guys were always, uh, I always um, understood them to sort of be coming out of that kind of post-punk, uh, you know, sort of like nervy, jittery, uh, yeah. New York type uh, 2000s rock. Um, and something happened recently, and I wanted to go back and 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 listen to that. They they just came out with this EP a few months ago called uh, 4D Country, um, and uh, the uh, their album before that was called 3D Country, and it opened with a song called 3D Country. Uh, 4D Country opens with a song called 4D Country. It's the same song as 3D Country, but a slightly different arrangement. And what I really love about this is just the amount of like sort of swagger and demented troubadour qualities that that come out in this which i did not expect and as far as i can tell i think it's a song about a sort of cowboy sort whose romantic partner 
has maybe committed suicide or has died and he's sort of flirting with death and sort of daring someone to to kill him so he can be with her or something i don't i might be way off about that but that's kind of <laughs> that's the that's the closest i can come to making sense of this right. uh, i was gonna go with um killing my borrowed time which is a shorter catchier song off of this but i thought you know what let's live a little let's go for the let's go for the six minute album She's opener so this is 40 country Dancing the seven hills, gun in my brother's neck, grabbing the 
Not Kevin's favorite, y'all. <laughs> I think you don't. <laughs> I don't know that. Um, I think it has a little. I think it has a. I think it has black midi esque qualities that I thought might uh, might pull you in a bit. Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, at seven minutes, it really has just about everything. <laughs> like, <laughs> can, yeah. Just put in this like what's everything in music and put it in that. Um, yeah, I really can't place that vibe. It's definitely not what I expected, and I've heard that yeah. band before, um, and I just haven't heard this. Uh, it. Yeah, I know what you like. I mean, it's very pavement, um, as a lot of like post rock is. And stuff. yeah, yeah. Uh, how involved do you think the people who made Foxygen's Hang were in making that? I would not be surprised. Is there a Ratto uh, up in there? Ratto, yeah, yeah. I would not be surprised if there's some overlap here. One of the things I like about this band is that um, I'm really coming in kind of fresh off of this. Like I, I. Um, it was only a couple of days ago that I first uh, threw this on. And so I haven't really, like, I've sort of chosen not to do much research on them um, and just sort of take it for what it is. And I've I've been enjoying the crap out of this EP. It's been a really, really nice companion during my days. Yeah. You know, I think you're right. This is not my favorite. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but here's the thing. Like, I think it's it's well worth the time to explore what's going on. There's, there's a lot of... Uh, Anytime you hear that timber in a, in a person's voice, I have to wonder what who. I, I don't know what they look like. Yeah, it's so it's so unnatural. Like the only thing you you lean towards immediately is like Nick Cave, but that's not even yeah, but, you know. I, and then you see the person they got you know, and that's not here nor there. It's not necessarily about looks, but like, I think this is a good place where drugs can lead you. So, sorry if the band is sober, but I mean, I mean, legitimately, there's, there's that the middle section. Like, I don't think there's any way you can mash that stuff up without being like, this is what shit sounded like to me on drugs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that's good. I, I think that makes for like good, weird art that actually sometimes drugs will help uh, unpack those those phrases. You, you know how like if you like really high, <laughs> like you've smoked mm-hmm. yourself like incoherent. You can't. You can't talk, but then you put on a piece of music and maybe you've heard it like a thousand times, but something stretches out and like it's yeah. in there and you're just like, oh, shit. yeah, you hear it. You hear it new. Yeah, you hear it new. It's it's good. So, uh, so yeah, I think uh, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll go with you on this journey, man. I'll, yeah, let's I'll, let's dig, let's dig into some geese. <laughs> I'll explore it. Don't dig into goose. Like this can't be a bait <laughs> right. and switch. Yeah, no, no, no. This, no, is no, still, no, no. this is still a firmly anti-goose podcast. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, okay, okay. How do you know how long they've been around? Um, I think their first album was only like twenty twenty or twenty one. Yeah, recently. Yeah. Um, I think they only have two full lengths, okay. and the first one is much more sort of straight post punk. The second one is more of this kind of stuff, where it's sort of like weird troubadour kind of kind of vibes. Yeah, yeah. I know, sort of like the sort of like a lounge singer crossed with like seventies Elvis, maybe a little bit. Yeah, I just I just saw it too. Black Mindy is not touring the United States next year, so maybe these guys are. And I hope. And uh, you know what? They and they are they are in fact part of the reason this popped up for me is they're playing at the Atlantis tonight. Oh, are they? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, It's it's sold out as one might expect. I think they're. I I wonder how much they're taking of their merch. Yeah. (laughs) I uh, I wonder where these guys like. I feel like these. I feel like their next album is going to be very buzzy. 
for some reason. Like, yeah. I feel like I feel like they're about to get pitchforked. We we should look back after the show and see if they maybe they already have. Yeah, perhaps. Like this perhaps, smells yeah. like best new music. Not this track, but that sniff the air a little bit. It's like leaves burning in the fall. It smells like pitchfork can avoid. Yeah, we'll find out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so there was Geese and Butcher Brown. Uh, we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, it's either going to be great or embarrassing. <laughs> I don't know. But get but ready, get ready to have your, your mind expanded by Cassiopeia Ninja. everyone welcome back first of all uh if you needed a second to to transition uh from those uh tasty jams to where we are now um i i I understand (laughs) yeah um that was uh that was uh the opening song off of um cassiopeia's mint jams um an album that i don't mind telling you i learned about from an instagram account that often features japanese jazz uh, and, um, I've occasionally kind of, uh, dipped my toes into the, into the waters of Japanese jazz and it just always come away thinking like, oh my God, this is really some of the most interesting, fun, weird out there stuff being made. Um, it's always, it's always fascinating to hear like a genre and a style, you know, well being, uh, kind of digested and played back to you right by people who sort of are existing a little bit in a different you know in, in a different culture i guess um mint jams is from 1982 it's one of a couple of live recordings they released from around that time um and cassiopeia uh they're 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 tagged as being uh jazz fusion i think it's really easy to sort of uh fall into the like that's really closer to muzak or that numero group new leaf uh mm collection that came out a few years ago that was uh very much kind of lounge uh music oriented um they are cassiopeia are really uh a bit of a, a bit of a behemoth um 
And like a sort of like a prog rock song, there are like many different parts and iterations of the band. I think there's like four or five different incarnations yeah. of of Cassiopeia. Um, the the first one was was active from like the mid seventies until the late eighties, and I think that's probably considered the the like you know the biggest sort of dominant one. Um, you can, you can sort of scan their, their Wikipedia page if you want to see, uh, more about these guys, but the, but, but really that, you know, that was, that was the classic lineup, uh, that we heard, um, and, uh, Minoru Mukaya and Tetsuo Sakurai are, are, I think kind of the, the centerpieces of that lineup. Um, except, I, except, except, yeah. uh, Isai Noro, uh, actually composed every, there's like 30 albums in, in these iterations. And this guy, Isai Noro on guitar composed it all like one um, guy. yeah uh they um he uh, uh yamaha uh, manufactured a special guitar for him uh which is which is probably the least surprising thing about this um the other unsurprising thing about this is that i found this and i had given it a couple of spins and uh and late one night um probably um a little bit swayed by things in my body and then then the the moon that night or something i was like you know i'm gonna send this over to kevin <laughs> and uh, i think that's when your cassiopeia adventure began it was, it was. i don't i don't normally uh i don't normally normally explore these waters yeah um, yeah because for well two reasons jazz fusion you know what you're getting into mm-hmm. and you can literally pick any name just throw a rock in the jazz fusion pool and kind of going to get something that sounds kind of the same. I don't think that's different here. And I don't think that's different in anything in their catalog. Yeah. The trick with jazz fusion for me is that you just have to accept that it's pleasing. (laughs) Like you just, you're being, you're, you're being like served enjoyment. And yes. And I want to say that maybe depends on the type of person you are. Uh, but I, I, I don't think so. I think I think there's people who just won't give into it, you know, for reasons. But if you d- invariably, if you do, you you have a good time. With it. It's you know, it's I, the way I think of a lot of this stuff is like someone is serving you a platter, and instead of it being a balanced meal, it's like all donuts. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's like, there's no greens, there's no fiber, there's nothing yeah. healthy for you. It's really just sugar, candy, deliciousness. And it's all, there's no, there's no like discipline of philosophy necessarily. Yeah. It, it's all yeah. just like, I just felt like doing this, man. Did you feel like doing this? And somebody in the band's like, yeah, I do. It's interesting when this came out. Um, Well, a couple of things, because what we want to talk about is, is the culture this came up in and then how it sort of mirrors the American culture. Uh, what I didn't know about jazz in Japan is that, and this makes sense, like it just didn't exist until World War II. And GIs were bringing over like hard bop records and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the government, it was considered, the government of Japan considered it enemy music. So this was, this was highly censored, you couldn't listen to it, but people people were like, "No, we're not we're not going to do that." And uh, jazzukisas, which are like jazz cafes, 
mm-hmm. which they're opening. And, and, and like, I first heard that term because they're opening something up the street, uh, a place called Lee's Luxury Lounge. It closed, but uh, oh. the people, yeah. When it, I don't think it'll be open when you're up here, but it's going to be a listening place for like weird shit. Uh, and, and it's great. And it's within walking distance. I can't wait. But uh, so these, these are a very popular type of cafe in Japan still. And you go and listen uh, to this stuff. But eventually the point is the music got so popular that the government was just like, right, we can't, like people are just doing this. So if you imagine in America, this rose up as uh, partially like a rebellion, you know, African-Americans like claiming this as their own. Yeah. But but the, what we saw as rebellious music was rock and roll. In Japan, it was jazz. It was Charlie Parker. It was Coltrane. It was Ornette Coleman. I, it was uh, Miles. But eventually the youth rebelled against this. <laughs> they went to jazz fusion, which is such a, <laughs> it's such a bold choice for a whole culture to just, you know, this is where we're going. So by the time this band comes around, you know, in 1982, you had Alan Holdorf's IOU, Pat Metheny's Off-Ramp, uh, albums that I, like, I don't dismiss, but I'm just like, eh, it sounds like these guys. I've heard everything. Like, there's nothing. Um, Donald Fagan's The Nightfly. Yeah. Which is yeah. arguably a jazz fusion album. Yeah. You know, and to have this mirrored back pretty precisely on this, which by this time they're one of the biggest bands in Japan. Yes, this is their yeah, second. Li- this is their second live album. Yep, uh, sold out. Recorded over two nights of a club, and they were so good at what they did that they wanted it to sound like a studio album. So they did what you know. REM did this for uh, New Adventures in Hi-Fi, where they, but they recorded their soundtrack sound checks for a lot of those songs. But this band just recorded live, cut out all the audience except for like a few sections. And produce this thing that sounds like a studio album, but has mm-hmm. this vibrancy of a live album. And then you get like sort of the enjoyment of, of just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, can you imagine being at the show? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. like what would like, you just walk in and this is happening? You know, it, it, it has, and, and, and this might speak to that sort of rebellious uh, piece you were mentioning. I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's clearly a product of its time, right? You wouldn't, you wouldn't put that on and think, oh, this must have been recorded in the mid-90s or something. No, you know, this is from the early 80s. Um, it has, you know, the songs aren't particularly long. Um, it's a short record. It's, you know, it's not, um, it's not the kind of thing that like musicians are going to stretch out on or where it's going to go long and formless, like, you know, miles in the seventies or something. These are really, these are really concise songs. They have elements of, of pop music of the time. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the way the Japanese like absorb and mirror music back to people. I mean, I've, I've always been interested in, in, in how Brazilian music sounds uh, runs through like the filter of, of Japanese musicians. And this record gives you a lot of looks yeah, at that. Sense. I mean, this is, this has a lot of um, overlap with the sort of, you know, tropical uh, bossa nova kind of yeah, sound yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as well. And so the other thing they're doing is they're really kind of like reflecting like Western music back. Right. And sort of like taking it in and making it part of their whole thing. Uh, it seems like, like this England 
and the blues, you know, the uh, Rolling Stones, for example, you know, it seems like other countries are better at our music. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that's largely the case. Yeah. Um, I, I want to play a track now, another track now, because uh, this is just delightful. <laughs> this is a delightful fucking album. Uh, this is Domino Line. This is, comes about, you know, towards the end of the set, but, uh, man, these guys can fucking talk. bit of domino line off of uh mint jams if you listen close enough to that that is that encompasses the entirety of prince's 90s output (laughs) like the the i i've i've been deep in the uh reissue of uh diamonds and pearls prince's diamonds Mm -hmm. which is his first record with new power generation official record uh fantastic record but even in that there's like there's parts that are just like this but especially like if you saw Prince during that time, if you saw Prince on the musicology tour, it was like yeah. he was doing his songs, but they sound like this. You know, there is a lot that, yeah, there is a lot of Prince's DNA in this. And, and, you know, one of the, one of the, like, one of the hallmarks of it for me is the way a musician solves the problem of like, I need to go from this note to that note. And what path am I going to take? Yeah. Right. Am I going to like arpeggiate the shit out of a run that ends up there? Am I, or am I just going to take a straight line there? <laughs> right. And I think, and I think, and I think we know what Prince chose and, and we yeah. obviously know uh, how Cassiopeia like to get there. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I've tuned into some uh, videos because there, there's a current version of Cassiopeia um, mm-hmm. that, that is uh, AC Noros and I forget the other three members, but he also has two other bands that he plays it and they, they intermingle now. So in, one of the, in spirit or yeah, something? Yeah, in spirit, yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but he did this like, he did this um, pandemic video where he was like giving lessons. And, mm-hmm. and uh, but uh, again, I'm, I'm going to say the word delightful a lot in the, uh, talking about this because he's doing it and then it starts to get edited almost like a Godzilla movie. Like he plays a sick chord and the camera goes back and forth and in and out. It's like, whoa. <laughs> and I mean, I, I just can't 
I haven't fully processed the amount of joy that is contained in this type of music that any a passive listener would just be like, Oh, this is cheesy as shit. This is, this is not, you know, I mean, look, you know, Daria, (laughs) Uh (laughs) how did did this, how did this sit with Daria about like three seconds? Yeah. And she was like, out of the house. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah, Take it, Uh, take it outside. To be, to be fair, you know, but, uh, but it, it just is so, full of like ridiculous joy paired with this precision because this is not easy to do. Yeah. And yet, and yet listening to it and enjoying it really is to me just like a test of like, how, how much can you simplify your, like, like it doesn't, you don't have to do anything. You just have to sit there and like it. Right. (laughs) It's, it's a donut. It's a donut. (laughs) You know, it's not that complicated. (laughs) someone's like hey i made you a nice meal you're like oh i wonder what i'm gonna get it's just donuts you're good (laughs) i you know there's a lot of talk about how the algorithm treats us these days and in we use apple music although i think you may have used title right or i did i did for a bit i'm all i'm all apple music now so uh if you don't go looking for popular music and you put on something like this the algorithm actually seems to be remarkably effective mm-hmm. in giving you, like, it assumes you you listen to this for a reason, because you like it. It doesn't assume you're going to, like, you want to find out something new. But the first time I put this on, I let it keep playing, and it gave me about two and a half hours, a, a master class on Japanese jazz. Yeah. It was stuff that, like, a lot of it sounds like this, but it was stuff that I obviously never heard before. And it was such a pleasant, like, journey. Like, I kept having shit to do, and I was like, well, I'm not, I'm not turning this off. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I know I got shit to do, but this is happening. This is, like, it was an entire education. And every time that I have played this, I just let it play because it does different tracks from different bands. And so now I'm starting to dig through it. I, I don't want to be one of these Discogs guys who's like, or comic book guy. Yeah. yeah. You don't know, do don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Because, yeah, yeah it's, it's, this is culturally and historically, I think stuff like this is important. But what's most important is that you like enjoy it. Uh, yeah. a, a fun fact, too, when I was researching this is I think the consensus is that Japanese jazz records, are some of the best sounding recordings in the world because they had the technology and they had, because this was such a huge thing that they had these recording studios all over the place that would, that would literally spring up just to support like a band. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I haven't put that to the test, but, but I think it's funny that like some of the discussions I've seen about it are like, yeah, that Rudy Van Gelder was good, but, (laughs) <laughs> if you heard the shit from Japan. Well, it's the country that gave us the CD. I mean, it's, this is, this is not, you know, there are, um, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the guy's name. Uh, Mishima, I think what I talk about when I talk about running, there's a great, um, and, uh, what else did he write? Like one Q84 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, he wrote an essay about his, his like music listening station in his apartment and and when I say that, like, this is a guy who, like, he's, like, a serious writer, 
um, whose knowledge of jazz probably rivals that of any living person and whose uh, living room setup is probably significantly more costly than any car I've ever owned. Uh-huh. <laughs> um and, you know, it's just like, like there is something about that. It's easy to make fun of, of sort of the audiophile types who are like, oh, well, you got to buy the $400 cable or whatever. And that's, or like, you know, the people who were like, oh, you can't use the power cord that came standard with your amp. You have to like right. upgrade, like enough with that, you know, but, but, but people for whom it really is a, a kind of like, you know, almost sacred meditative thing. And you're going to really invest in making that the best experience you can. I just, I just have. I have so much respect for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's remarkable. And if you can do it, um, you should. <laughs> yeah. I have the cheap version set up around my house. <laughs> the basement <laughs> sounds great until the, the fucking furnace comes on. But, uh, you know, it, yeah, you make these spaces that you can pay attention to it. I mean, people, people like have reading nooks, right? Yes, I was about to say that. I was about to say that. You know, there, uh, there's not, there's not a lot of. It's all information in, just different ways of how it's coming. In. But, um, let me tell you, I just it's it's uh, it's Haruki Murakami. It's not Mishima. I'm sorry about okay. that. Um, and if you Google his listening room, you can find a delightful little thing where he walks you through all of his equipment, where the speakers came from. Wow. where the amps are, his stylus. I mean, it's just, and it's just, it's not done in this annoying bro way. It's just in a, like, this is, this is the stuff I like and this is the stuff that matters to me. Yeah. 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 And, and that's good to have. Yeah. It's healthy yeah. to have. Yes. Like, don't hoard. Yes. Don't do that. Don't hoard. But, <laughs> but don't have, don't have so much of it that you can't, like, leave your house. But, you know, you should, you should surround yourself with things you love. Is what I'm saying. And uh, do you, you want to play another song from this? Yeah. Why don't we do? Why don't we play? Uh, let's do. Let's go to the closer here. Uh, this is a swear.
Yeah, if that ended up on the... It sounds like the end of Comic Curiad. Do we know... Do we know if uh, Michael McDonald ever performed on any Japanese jazz records? So I don't, I don't know that, but I know that um, the, the, the Brecker brothers, Michael and Randy Brecker, who were no strangers to Steely Dan, uh, did perform with, uh, with Cassiopeia maybe a couple years before this record came out. Okay. Um, so there is some, there's been some cross pollination, I bet yeah. for sure. Now I know Cassiopeia has not really toured the U S I think that's right. Which yeah. seems like a choice. Hmm. I, yeah, I, I respect it, but yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, one of, you know, Japan is for sure. One of those places on, uh, on my bucket list every, every new year's Eve, I'm like, Oh, maybe this next year will be the year I go to Japan. But yeah. one of the things I want to do when I go to Japan now is see Cassiopeia live. Yeah. I, yeah, or just go to a, a, a jazz cafe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, which I, I am, yeah, which I will also do. Yeah, this is. Uh, I I hope people listening, like, are as kind of like turned on by this to like explore the scene if you don't know about it yet, as as I am, and you are right now. I mean, this is just like, it's a whole different world. <laughs> Yeah. And most of us don't know much about it. You know, like that's the thing. Yeah. That's the, that's the nice thing about sort of letting the algorithm be your guide. Like, like if I come across an interesting sounding, an interesting looking jazz record from between 1975 and 1988 in a record bin, I'm probably going to buy it blind. Like I have no basis to know if that's great or not. It'll probably be in a discount bin because no one else wants it. Right. Yeah. Um, and and I think the the average American jazz collector may not may not hold it in high regard, but I, I it's it's sort of liberating to like to think about this music and to not have a lot of knowledge or familiarity with it and to just sort of like see where it see where it takes you and figure out why just the the why of it why does it exist why yeah, why yeah. The, why this why this so big and what happened there that supported all this like the, this is not like they're one of like five bands. We're talking like, <laughs> right. like basically you were in a jazz fusion band in Japan for a while. If you're of a certain generation, yeah, if you're a musician, is, is what, it, what, it, what it sounds like. Uh, you know, I, I would bet there's a uh, 110% chance that Sonny Stitt covered one of Cassiopeia's albums. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I, I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't want to put that out there as fact, but I, I would say that there's a, there's a better than a hundred percent chance of that. But uh, yes. Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, Mint Jams, go out and get it. I, I don't even know. I know it's streaming. I know, I don't know if there's been a repress and track down the vinyl. I, I don't know, but this is, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really know either. I think this is something that I'll, you know, I hope, I hope I run into it in the wild someday. Yeah, for sure. So we're going to take a quick break and then come back and talk about a few of the issues. Uh, and if that's not your thing, then just keep on listening to Mint Jams. Put it on there. Put a link on there.
All right, so there we have Cassiopeia. We had Butcher Brown. We had Geese. Uh, <laughs> I think I think good good haul, good haul. Yeah, Russia. right. Good like if, if you walked into a record store and came out with these three records. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, yeah, that's a good day at the store. Yeah, yeah, and you'd have a, a good few days of just yeah. like of oh just yeah, like, you might you might ruin a relationship or two, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know whatever. Um, Speaking of ruining relationships, uh, <laughs> let's get into it. You know, it's been, it's probably best that we haven't talked about issues for this thing because uh, some of these tend to get me a little little hot under the collar here. But um, I think we can start with, everybody knows the Rolling Stones had a new album that came out, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know what everyone thinks of the Rolling Stones, but I do know that the Rolling Stones don't care what you think about them. Um, And neither does history. Uh, Your Rolling Stones are just the biggest rock and roll band that has existed to date. Period. There's no, there's no competition. There's, there's nobody even like halfway up that mountain. Right. Cause the Beatles are are very different. Yeah. You know, they're over here on their own mountain <laughs> of just, like, music. But, like, we're talking just, like, rock and roll. Yeah. There's nobody else. They're in, their, right. they're in their 80s. And, and there was, a, there was a, a lot of just weird online discussion of, of their songs, which, like, the Stones haven't been good since Exile. They well, haven't put out great albums, right? True. Uh, true. We'll, we'll start with that. Um, yeah. We may have lost all our listeners right now. <laughs> Tattoo You, not a good album. Got some good songs. Steel Wheels, pretty good album. <laughs> but still, I mean, it sounds of the time. So, so let's, let's start from that point. But then, um, I, I, you know, part of what we do is, is have this conversation about music because I'm interested and you're interested in the conversations about music, what people think. And, and when the conversation about this turned to people expecting it to be exile, people not, even people like reducing this to like, they don't understand they're 80 years old, which right. you, which you don't want to be ageist, but like, you know, th- there is a certain thing like some people like Willie Nelson, when he plays now, it, it kind of is like elder abuse when they bring him in on stage, regardless of how happy he is uh, right. doing it. Like it's still, it's very, very awkward. He was at the rock and roll uh, hall of fame induction. Uh, and you know, you saw Dave Matthews kind of look like, well, on the one hand, he's like, I'm playing with Willie Nelson again. On the other, he was just like, oh shit, is he going to (laughs) die? You know? And and so it's stuff like that. But the fact remains, this is, it was a pretty good album by any measure. The new one. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's fine. I mean, I don't think it's, I don't, um, you know, I might, I might score it a notch or two below where you have it, but I don't find it, a, I don't find it any way objectionable. No, I'm not revisiting it. it. <laughs> yeah. not, right, like, right, right, right. No one's, yeah. I mean, I, it, it seemed to me, it, it, it was more or less what I would expect a Rolling Stones record yeah. in 2023 to sound like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then Pitchfork had to come along with a, a normally great writer mm-hmm. and one of the weirdest pieces of music, music criticism that I've ever read. It was, it was as if somebody had not listened to the album or maybe had heard one of the singles. But wrote, I think you pointed this out, wrote a line about, you know, divorced dads or something. And was like, that's it. I got it. And then 
had to write his the rest of his review around yeah. that. Yeah, I think it was I think it was I think it was a, a quip in search of a review, yeah. right? It was like a a good line um and probably, you know, maybe it got assigned to him on the basis of like a very sick burn on the record. Um the rest of the review seemed it did, it did seem a little divorced from from the like it, I I just can't I guess I don't see how this record could inspire a lot of strong feelings, positive or negative, in anyone. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and so the idea that it would like make you angry, that you have to like take it down or sort of you know come at the Rolling Stones, I I don't really understand the thought process there. Well, this all feeds into like all the things that we're going to be talking about in this segment is is the state of music journalism. Uh, that Pitchfork was even reviewing this is kind of embarrassing. Uh, that's e- even owned by Condé Nast. That's not their thing. There, yeah. There's no reason for them to be doing this. There, and I hate to say there's no reason for anybody to review. Well, the, there is. There's a reason for somebody to review a Rolling Stones album in 2023 to get hits. Yep. And that is it. There's nothing you can say about it to people who are going to like it. There's nothing you can say about it to people who aren't going to like it. There's nothing you can say about a Rolling Stones album. It just exists. Yeah. And, and Part of this is why they're such a massive band and they have, they have zero peers is because it should be the thing that you can just not criticize. You, can, you don't have to talk about it. It doesn't, like, they are the culture. They don't affect the culture. They are the culture. And, yeah, I mean, and, go ahead. So, and, and we saw that again then with the Beatles song. Uh-huh. And look, I, I, I know people personally who felt that it, like, when you say something like it's a cash grab by Paul McCartney, what, what are you saying? <laughs> I think he's got enough money. I don't know that he needs to grab for cash. You know, it, and, and it's just, but, but in, in that case, uh, I think the song actually was. I mean, for for what it was, quite remarkable in what it did and what it meant, more so than the Rolling Stones album. The Rolling Stones album was a nice treat, right? Oh, yeah, the boys are back doing their thing. This was really a a statement, though, um, now and then, a statement of finality, a statement of what this meant to, like, the guys in the Beatles. Yeah, I think they... Um, you know, where it might be a little bit, uh, and I'm not saying this is a knock, um, where, where it might feel like a little bit like there's some sort of retconning going on is that the song to me sounds a lot more like post post Beatles, John Lennon than it does like the songs he wrote with the Beatles. And so you know, maybe, maybe, maybe there was some interest in like showing how, uh, where Lennon went post Beatles could have fit in with, with the way the Beatles approach music. Um, but like, but like, that's not a bad thing. That's like an interesting thought experiment. And, and and everyone, everyone involved was happy to put this out as a Beatles song. Right. As like as the last record, as the last bit of new music you will hear from the Beatles. Yeah. And and, and it gets into like. When artists create. Hopefully. 
It is for them and only for them. I'm making an album. It's just for me. I know other people are going to hear it. I kind of want to know what people think, but also I kind of don't because that can be hurtful sometimes. I get it. Like, but, but it's for them. And this clearly was for like Paul McCartney and Ringo Starr to say goodbye to their friends. And this is the, the music journalism culture, the online culture, everything. If you can't just shut the fuck up and let them have that, then what are we doing? Why, why should we expect good things? Are there people who think that like this is worse for the Beatles than like across the universe? There are people who think that this ruins their legacy. Oh, God. Yeah. People well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, I just, in all the talking we do about music, I, I think what we don't do is we don't take a position of, like, dunking on something. Or, or, or even take it actually that seriously. You know, we see it for what it is. It's people trying to express themselves. And and you try to engage with that in whatever like we try to engage it in a non like capitalistic way, but uh that's not the industry, so but yeah, I just from an artistic standpoint, for both of these, the the response is baffling to me and it um I'm like I even talked to somebody the other day and they were like they asked if I liked it and they expected some like long response and I was like, Yes. And that's the end of it. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, I mean, there's, there, there isn't, you know, this is, this is another thing that's, I think, fairly easy. Like, if, if it turns out that there's an undiscovered song or an unrealized piece by a great, a great band or a band you like, and you get to hear it, like, that's just a gift. That's just gravy. It you is. know, that's, that's just. I don't think, I don't think you need to bring the same. Uh, I don't think it requires a critical lens. I don't think it requires you to sort of recontextualize or, you know, understand if it, if like you have to like, if you have a new position on the, I mean, it, it, it's not, if you think the Beatles legacy is such that like one sub subpar song maybe can, can undo it, then I guess you don't think much of the Beatles legacy. Is yeah. Kind of what I yeah. take from that. And, and also this is, this will transition to like talking about Bandcamp. Uh, I, like, I think it's important. At what point do we start to see, this stuff as these are people making it regardless of what you think of the Beatles or the Rolling Stones oh they're super rich they're people and I'm not saying don't don't be mean to them or anything I'm saying people made this not some weird artistic god in the sky This this is just like realized human potential and work and we, I understand the business, but like, say Taylor Swift, they talk more about her work than they do most people like, <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. yeah like yeah. there isn't a story where it's like, she doesn't work hard. Right. And yeah, it no, humanizes she's gotten, her. She's gotten, it, that, her. she's gotten that folded well into, uh into the talking points about her. Yeah, I I don't I can't grasp. I don't think anybody can grasp the size of her stardom, her presence in the in the cultural space. I I don't think I don't think it's really been seen. 
Yeah, although although maybe the Beatles are are like a close comp, right? So yeah, yeah. so as a okay. so as a thought experiment, let's say in sixty years, there's a new Taylor Swift song that's discovered, um, and uh, there's some manipulation that's needed to kind of isolate her voice and put it in, into a different musical context or whatever because she recorded it as a demo on the piano, for example. Um, I I can't imagine anyone being like, oh my god, this ruins Taylor Swift's legacy because the song isn't as great as other things she put out. I I just don't I just do not understand that that lens on this at all. Yeah. Well, I, I think the lens comes from uh, our perception of, of the industry and what music is. What that there are actually people making this. Um, for me, starts and ends with this idea that DIY or punk is equals virtue and quality. And uh, it's why I don't enjoy listening to a lot of that music. It's why I don't enjoy talking to people in that scene. Um, because it's so weirdly presumptuous. Um, and and it, it's dividing off. Like if you're talking about artists, and you're an artist especially, and you're going to try to divide off as different kinds of artists, like as being more valid or not, like what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, like we cannot, we cannot continue to like this collapse is going to keep happening in like people writing about stuff, for example, music journalism, because there's nothing left to talk about. Like it's all, it's all become identity and like everything in the world, but like with Bandcamp specifically. Yeah. So here's, the facts. This is not opinion of about Bandcamp. It was always a tech bro startup thing. Right. It was sec- it was Ethan Diamond's second endeavor. He sold the first one to Yahoo, and it's in your email now. Like right, right. So, what this tech bro did is accidentally generated goodwill, and he did it. By saying the cut we're going to take for this like e-tailer, which is what they are, is less it's than Am- is yeah. less than Am- well, it's half of like yeah. Amazon or Apple or anything like that. To serve that, where this really got a home run was calling their marketing department Bandcamp Daily. And I know it's hard to different like like um, we're friends with more right. Right. It used to be like so many great people work there. So many great people right there. They did a lot of work. You can't call it journalism. It's marketing. <laughs> you know, they're writing about the products that they sell. They say, we need to move this and then you sell it. And I know they say there's no oversight or whatever. At the end of the day, you're right. And, and that's, that's clear. Any journalism school like in the world would be like, you're, you're a marketing department. That's great. You're great at marketing. We saw this blow up now with J. Edward Keyes. But Bandcamp Daily was his third endeavor doing this. And all three have collapsed in the same fashion because he's a tech bro, basically. You know? And so really what we're talking about is people wanted it to be some virtuous utopia for underground DIY. But that doesn't really mean anything when it comes to like music. You know, 
it means you're, I mean, every, you, you just, it doesn't make it better. They focused on that. And that is why probably Song Trader like did it. Well, no, Song Trader did that clearly because it was union busted. This right. is such a messy fucking <laughs> issue because right. like if you're buying something like that and you're like, you guys don't write about anything that's actually going to make us money. Um, <laughs> you know, I've talked to people, they were like, the, the party line is that they were profitable and people are like, well, if they're profitable, legit. I mean, this is people who know. Like, then then yeah. this would not have happened the way it did. So, right. So that's not, you know, but that's also, just think about it, as they scaled up and became more popular, it costs money to host files, it costs money to serve files. What, what, I'm, what I'm saying is that we live in this world where we talk about music and like the only way we think about it is in terms of capital instead of art and art's just not gonna I, I just don't it's not gonna make a lot of money in most cases <laughs> yeah um it's funny when you said that my first thought was about how many people approach approach their own music listening not not from the standpoint of seeking out music that they like, but rather seeking out music that makes them like an interesting consumer. Yes. Right. Yes. Or like a, like, right. Like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very good, like I'm a custy, but I'm a smart custy, uh, because I have this, you know, cause I have Japanese jazz in my collection or whatever. Right. Um, and, um, it is really hard. I mean, I think maybe more so than with other art forms, it does feel really hard to separate the art from, from the idea of capital or the presumption of capital. Yeah. Um, and, um, it, you know, I'll say about band, I mean, Bandcamp's editorial team, um, they were good at highlighting things in their, <laughs> among their products that, that were good uh yeah you know there was like like whatever whatever the the machinations might have been behind that um uh you know usually if 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 there was a band camp feature that was like oh here's like you know 10 cumbia records that we have that you should listen to like i would probably listen to some of those yeah, um sure. i would i would sort of take their 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 word even even knowing that it wasn't exactly you know pure of intent um, although generally when you go to a store, like if you go to like, if you go to like a fancy cheese shop, you're going to take the, the guy, like you're going to take the advice of the person working behind the cheese counter. Right? You are, you are. Yeah. You are. Um, but they don't spin it another way. The guy's right. there for that. Right. 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 But you don't know if there's, you know, you don't, you don't. You don't know what happens. Uh, you don't know what how dirty the cheese sample game. Is. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> right. And then Andre uh, no, does, but, it's, but that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, but I'm but I'm saying a little bit like you know I'm I'm you know I I was sort of approached a lot of the Bandcamp um, editorial features, knowing full well that it was payola. Yeah. Uh, but also thinking like you know what, there's a lot of shit on Bandcamp, and I'm not going to have a chance to listen to it. So someone thought. You know, the fact that someone payola'd a record means that someone thought uh, there was enough there that that people would respond to. I'm glad um, you used that term too. Yeah, because, I mean, because that's that's your marketing record. It's that's pay, that's what payola is. I I, I know. Yeah. Again, this comes from a lot of the like 
underground indie DIY, whatever you want to call it, community where they're like, uh, Spotify is payola, but it, it, marketing. <laughs> yeah. Like it means a very different thing now than it did. It, it it also doesn't make up for a subpar product, right? No, no right. amount of forced marketing can make can make music I don't like into music that I like. Right. Um I'm always reminded of uh <laughs> of Drew with Mac DeMarco. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. And how and how many times he like escalated a service request to Spotify to say something is wrong. Yes. I've told you eighty different ways I don't want to hear Mac right. DeMarco and you keep putting Mac right, DeMarco right, in front of me. DeMarco just, just got in front of it. And you know, my understanding is their algorithm is actually kind of shit. Like yeah. that'll do that. So I mean I don't use Spotify. I haven't used Spotify in easily like seven, eight years. Yeah. So, I mean, except well, for having music on it. But. Well, speaking of Spotify, mm. they're <laughs> they're, uh, they're going to pay. They're going to throttle be payments before to, we get it, before uh, we get in this because I think this yeah. this will this will lead into this a little better. So, talking about the song trader thing. So, so we know what Bandcamp is. We know that people did great work. We know great people got let go. That is indisputable. Uh, we also know uh, something that I'm going to suggest here and propose is that you don't have a right to a career in music or anything. You, you aren't entitled to something simply because you made the thing. Uh, I, I know, uh, me personally, I would love that. I, I, I literally, but you know, one listen a month to one track off of middle West, <laughs> you know, is, is, yeah. is my stat. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and it's not, it doesn't suck. Um, but it, let's, let's just say it's not for everyone. <laughs> You know, maybe not anyone, apparently. Um, but this this integration with removing the ethics of it, whatever you it's it's fine if you don't want to be on uh, iTunes or Amazon or deal with them. But removing the ethics of it, uh, what Song Trader was and will offer for them is an integration with licensing. So that means nobody might listen to Middle West, but then some weird ass commercial in Japan might be like, I want to use this in a commercial. And then I get paid. And, and this is, this was the coup of Ethan Diamond. And this is how he created this thing by making it attractive and also kind of telling people that these are your only options. You can go to these stores, big behemoth evil stores, even though I'm tech bro investor money over here. Yeah. Or use us. The reality, and I, and I want anybody who makes music to listen, you can go, to, I mean, this is just what I use. You can go to DistroKid, 24 bucks a year. You can upload unlimited albums to literally every store and service on the planet. And I respect any ethical objection to not wanting to be on Spotify, anything. Like that, I, I mad respect for that. Where that ends is then if you are concerned about your income from it because your income is going to take a hit. Yeah. If you want to participate in capitalism, participate and then work to change it. It needs to change. Like it's all bad. It's all, all <laughs> bad, but you can't pull your stuff off of stuff. Um, and, then expect to also make money because people are going to follow you over here because they're just not. That's not how the majority, that's not the scale of people you need. Uh, I've seen people suggesting that people make art not to be listened to. 
Like, what are you talking about? Like, that's fine. You don't put it out in the world. The second you push send and upload it to somebody where somebody can buy it, even if it's pay what you want, you are now a participant. And it sucks. I fucking yeah. hate it. I know everybody hates it. But that's our system. That, that's the global system. So what Song Trader was doing then is, like I said, you, you use your music in a commercial. Back in the day, it was called Selling Out. Now people are like, whatever. Like, yeah, wanna, get paid. I want to get paid. You want to get it in yeah. a movie? Fucking this is the way. So, uh, and like, But much like the DistroKid thing, you can already sign up for Song Trader. So there was going to be some insidious stuff where like built into the uh, terms of service, more than likely, we'll see, that it, you're automatically, that's not good. But that's where the yeah. capitalism is bad. Like, yeah, you know, but these things that people are mad about are just like they are unavoidable if it, well, and if you're not new they're not new is your point is like this is just a continuation of the you know um and 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 look and it's okay to say like what's happening is not great <laughs> right this is what yeah this is um i was talking to someone recently about how all these like private equity interests are like you know trying to lock up all these water reserves right 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 and you can speculate about how that's going to work or is it a smart play or not but like there's no version of that that's good news for us. There's no version of that that's <laughs> where, where well, like that's going to make our lives better. I think right? Dorian and yeah. I are buying a little our little chunk of Lake Michigan here. Oh yeah, yeah nice. I mean we're shipping water to like Waukesha or something right now. It's like <laughs> yeah, there's, <laughs> there's yeah, there's, yeah. It's it's like the your art can change minds in the world, but if you are if you if you're just not putting it. A place where people where people are going to access where you know people are going to access it. Yeah. Like I don't know for Amazon, but I, I'll tell you if your if your music isn't in the iTunes store, like that's just a huge mistake. Yeah, that's just a mistake. I don't like Spotify, but I realize like if my music is not on Spotify, that's a mistake. Yeah, a lot of people use Spotify. It's, Most people it's use Spotify. not going to make me any money, and I know yeah. that. Yeah, there's a. I mean, if an accident happens, then sure. You know, but that's, I, I just don't count on that for income. And I'm not on a level where I count on anything I make from any service for income. Yeah. But there are the, there, there's just calculations that you can do and understand like how much money, like the idea that like, yes, Spotify cut into how bands could be successful, but also like, this is where now we'll get into the thousand stream thing. Like in the nineties, nobody would have heard your band literally yeah. nobody yeah. you had to be on a label college rock was not <laughs> was not like just finding somebody in your town I mean sure there, there are exceptions and there are scenes but that's not how nobody was like making money on this so yeah it, it cuts into stuff but you can use it as a uh, just as a tool it's like Miles Mosley said he's like this is just stuff that makes money while I sleep if it makes money yeah right and then focus on the rest so, so Spotify is going to pay less to the bottom, what is it, half a percent? Yes. Uh, okay. It's going to pay nothing. Nothing. Yeah. So that, and, and it is for a thousand streams in a year on a track. Originally, the, the original number reported was 200 streams, which is, okay, okay whatever. But yeah, the thousand streams, that seems a little blah, blah. Now, 
disregarding thing, well, yeah, if they start here, then they, eventually they'll go higher. Maybe. But we're, we're not there yet. We're, we're just going to address this particular thing. Uh, they say, and, and let's just get this out of the way. Spotify's not good, guys. Daniel Act <laughs> is not good. I, I don't yeah. want anybody, I don't want to get an email being like, uh, Spotify. Like, fuck, fuck Spotify. Yeah. We don't have, <laughs> we don't have the show on Spotify because they tried to make stuff like lock it to exclusive. They started like editing it. You can get on it now, but you have to have subscribe to Spotify and, or you can get on it and use music. Subscribe to Spotify and insert Spotify tracks into your podcast. Right. Right. Which is not what we do. <laughs> yeah. Um, and not what we're ever going to do. But um, the, the line is, and this goes back to this, that article about the mafia laundering money. Spotify. Yeah. It's, it's all coming together at the end of the year. <laughs> uh, and, and so tracks like that, uh, tracks under 30 seconds, uh, raindrops, you know, like hours yeah, of raindrops. Right, right. Um, stuff like that is not going to be counted. And, and the thousand per song is kind of like another limit. It's going to remove the one number I saw today was 68.5 million spotify so that's a lot of music but yeah let me let me look this up real quick here loaded to spotify a day (laughs) it's estimated that fifty thousand tracks are uploaded to spotify every day and what they're saying this is going to do and by the way, I'm, because I know you, you have a background in like econ, you know, and mm-hmm. so I'm very interested in your take on this, um, is because it's pro-rata, so that means every, it goes into a pool and you get a percentage based on like blah, blah, blah. Uh, so it's going to basically shrink the pool so artists who clear this threshold will make more. And also, before I hand this over to you, if you hit that thousand stream, you get paid for the first thousand. So it yeah. isn't like it just goes away. Like you cross the threshold. Oh, now you're a participant. So all your streams count. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I guess, I guess my, I guess my kind of main thought about this is that uh, something like this was probably inevitable, mm-hmm. right? Um, that, um, you know, for example, the people uploading recordings of like, you know, rain or waves or whatever. Um, you know, it just seemed, it seemed, it seemed, uh, it seemed like a correction was going to have to happen. Um, if you look at this from Spotify standpoint, right. Which is that basically we can't keep paying to like host. And then, uh, you know, it's, it, it probably costs Spotify more money to pay artists than they pay a lot of those artists. Right. They're probably, they yeah. probably figured out that like, it's one of those things where like, there's this fan, there was, there was that famous thing a few years ago that was like, you know, it costs companies an average of like $8 to cut a check or something like that. And yeah. a lot of checks they cut are for like, right. So, so it probably costs Spotify more to pay out fractions of a cent than, uh, than, than they were paying out. So, um, you know, it, anytime there's a new, anytime there's a new technology, anytime there's a new thing, 
um, people look for ways to to capitalize off of that. And that's not, you know, they're not cheating. They're not doing a bad thing by doing that. They're right. looking, they're looking for ways to get paid the same way that, um, you know, the, the guy, the guy busking on the street is looking for, right. The guy, the guy's passing around the, 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 um, the, the tip jar at, uh, at a, at a place in Nashville, right. Everyone's looking for, um, a little scratch here and there. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, in terms of how, um, in terms of how uh, like the impact it has on the overall like structure of of the music industry, I'm at such a point of like disillusionment, and I'm so sort of cynical about what it even means to be like a successful artist today. Right. That I just I just can't imagine. Um, I have a hard time, much like the Rolling Stones record. Like I have a hard time having strong feelings for or against any of this it just seems like yeah. spotify is spotify knows it's carrying around some fat it knew this would be an unpopular thing to do it needs to send a signal to people that is like we cannot forever host your files that no one's playing right so uh, yeah and, and i think that's a good point because let's look at the alternative to this you you get charged right for them to have your music on spotify which is, again, you're getting into the label system. You're getting into, like, would you have been on the radio? You're getting, like, you know, I, I, and I understand that there's a lot of, like, how do I get on a playlist? Oh, they're doing something wrong because I'm not on, or this type of music isn't on a playlist. Uh, I don't know, and I mean, I don't know, what obligation Spotify has. Yeah. They're evil, right? They're yeah, they an evil corporation. But but we know they're not. That's not new in the world, right? You know they're commodifying, like or they're super commodified. I mean, labels commodified. Labels are evil. Yeah, they right. brought you a lot of good stuff, but they also kept most of the money. I saw there was somebody who made like, got like a platinum album or something. I saw the other day, and they'll they'll still owe like eight hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. For the rest of their lives. Like you can't like uh and I know people have signed good labels, label deals, I know people are not, but that they are evil is not in question, but I how how long can we continue this like butting about and being like addressing a problem that isn't actually a problem? You're not gonna change the fact that Spotify's not that Spotify's evil. Right. Or the, or the fact that there's a very healthy Spotify outrage industry. And, yes. and you know, I, I sort of lapped those articles up because I fucking hate Spotify. So anytime, so like when that, when those mafia payments came out, I was just like, oh, yep, this is just, this is exactly what you expect from an evil company. I didn't Even read that as outrage. Even though those articles were though. kind of unfair. I yeah. didn't read that as outrage. I read that yeah. as like, wow, this is like, this is an amazing like feature of capitalism. It's horrible, but it's, yeah. Yeah. it's an amazing feature of capitalism. And, you know, I like I I get the frustration, but I don't. I just don't know where we're going. Like you know, we. It was hard to pick albums this year. Yeah, you, yeah. you mentioned about about stuff like the, like a, something being on a Spotify list or something, any list or whatever, isn't going to make you listen to it if you don't think it's good. Right. Like and by good, I think what 
I'm saying is not trying to put a judgment on something like, oh, this is crap. I'm saying maybe we're not going to spend six hours like talking about, like figuring out, which is the process it takes. Like this is a, each show. Maybe we're not going to yeah. do that unless it gets a certain threshold. Are we evil? <laughs> is it right. right? Is that, I mean, yeah. what, you know, we're not trying to make friends, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> we're not trying to make friends, but, you know, but we are friendly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, I like so, to go to friendlies for a nice Sunday sure. on occasion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, I think they're dead, victim of capitalism. But, but Less like, power. But, but, but you see the point I'm, I'm making is is that yeah. is that I there's not there is a there's a no stakes cheerleader. Those exist. Those are great, and I think that's what people are talking about with like really small blogs, zines, even like I, that's an important thing. But that that does not that doesn't comport with making a living making music. Well. There's, I, I think, I think the big misplay, um, and this is not any individual actor or company, uh, but I was talking to someone recently about the sort of how much I hate the sort of Coachella festival mm -hmm. model, right? The Coachella Bonnaroo and how just the idea of seeing nothing but sort of like hypey bands for four days in a row or whatever would to me make those bands feel like commodities. They right? are. It would and right. And they're as owned. A, as a, but, they're they're not like they're owned yeah, by no, no. people. Yeah. Well well right. I mean it's and it's but there's but there's like a sameness to it and there's a way in which like it actually makes all of that music worse. As opposed to if I saw one of those bands on a rainy Wednesday night in a small club play their hearts out, like that would not feel like a commodity to me. Right. Absolutely not. Yeah. Um but the but but for some reason we've convinced people that the best way to go see live music is to go to what is like one of the worst fan experiences out there, yep. right? Yep. Like, and and people seem to have bought this argument. Like people really like these terrible festivals. But riding alongside of that is the idea that that we've we've convinced people that the only way to to make art first of all, and then to actually make a living making art is to basically get to that level. Yeah. Which is so not true. Like you, be comfortable working a day job for your entire life. If you really love making music, like strap in and get comfortable. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, because there's just you can run the numbers. the The percent of success stories at the level that people want it to be just it's it's miserable. Yeah, it it, it and I hate it. I we but we don't. <laughs> We don't live in that world. Well, it the it's it's look it's 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 hard it's hard to be an artist. It always has been hard, and it's in many ways harder harder than ever. Um, and I think that what's important, um, I think that if you can't, you know, if you need external validation or recognition, or to somehow have the like machinery of capitalism shower money on you to 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 judge your artistic success, like you're you're probably not going to feel very successful. Yeah. Because most most people don't don't get to do that, um, and 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 you know there isn't there is a level of like arbitrariness. You know, Taylor Swift works really hard. So do a bunch of people who don't make it, right? Taylor Swift yep. writes great songs. So do a bunch of other people, yep. right? Um, you know, it it it, it um, it's like the example of like you know at any other point uh, up until the 1980s in history, 
Michael Jordan would not have been a multimillionaire, right? It 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 was right, it was right. only because the the combination of like his talent, who he was, the moment in time, Nike, all that other shit, that Michael that Michael Jordan becomes you know someone who uh, earns you know five hundred million dollars over his career or something like that. Yeah, in the nineteen thirties, Michael Jordan would would not have done that. Um, and yeah. in fact, probably there were Michael Jordans before then who just, who, who, who didn't get that, who didn't get that chance. So, so the idea that like, that it's a meritocracy is bullshit. There's a machine, it's arbitrary. People get lucky or they don't. Um, but, 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 but most importantly, um, you know, those, uh, if you think that there's some element of like deservedness or fairness and how those things get distributed, I have, I have really terrible news about the planet we live on because this yeah. is not a planet where that kind of thing happens. Nowhere. I mean, literally, like, nowhere. Uh, yeah. It, it, you know, going back to what we talked with Gus, uh, Fairbairn. Right. You know. His conception of art is, is, like, is like totally anti-commercial, right? And uh, unusual. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I think about what he was saying about having a, uh, an abundance of, of nothingness. And, yeah. and learning to live like that, which is not, broadly speaking, an American way. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and I don't, I don't think anybody should have to do that or should choose to do that. I mean, it, it's a, it, if you're entitled enough to have been privileged enough to have that choice, right? Then that's a whole, that's a whole thing. But in terms of how we've been talking, you know, I've said online before, like, I'm, I'm very confused by, like, we only had, like, 120 people listen to that interview. Right. To put it in terms of, of people so that we're not just talking about, like, uh, musicians, this, like, we, this is work, it's art, it's what, you know, this is, yeah. this is part, this is very much a part of the ecosystem. Yeah. Like, it's not, no, no artist exists without all of this. And then I thought about, how the machinery behind his releases is pretty astoundingly big. Uh, his PR rep is fantastic, not cheap. Um, yeah, he knows how to play the game. Manager, fantastic, not cheap. International, international anthem, like it's all a thing. So there, there's built-in like things that have to happen, and how this is presented to us in the world uh, to make it. Uh, to get, get a return on their investment. And that has nothing to do with Gus's art. Right. Right? right. And, and he said as much. But with that in mind, then it makes sense that only, you know, a few over 100 listen to it. Because even we're looking at it through this lens of like, oh, this has to be this big thing. And it's like, just not. And that's okay. You know, I, my, I guess my, my, my closing thought here is probably that I, uh, a couple weeks ago, um, started getting like a weekly CSA box again oh, yeah. and, uh, you know, found myself, um, a couple nights a week, usually sort of spending a few hours, like peeling vegetables, looking up recipes, figuring out, you know, and, and that, um, that act was so calming, grounding, uh, satisfying to me yeah. that, you know, and I knew why I was doing it. I, I 
I, I just wanted to eat a nice meal and, and, and the act was its own reward. Right. And so I guess, I guess sort of the analogy I'm trying to draw is that, you know, I make, I make ice cream, like what I love to make right. ice cream for Fantastic. a living. Sure. Good. Sure. Yeah. It, I'm, I'm probably never going to make ice cream for a living, but, but on occasion I sort of dream up an idea of like, Oh, maybe I should, maybe I should, well, I'll, I won't say it on mic because I think it's a pretty good idea, but, uh, but I'm probably not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and even if I did, and even if I executed it perfectly, the likelihood that I would be able to make a living off of it is pretty slim. Like it's probably not going to happen. Right. Right. And the so adva- the advantage goes to capital. Yeah. And so I need to know why I'm doing it. Right. I need to know what I'm hoping to get out of it. And when I'm, when I'm spending a few hours, um, uh, peeling, peeling root vegetables or trying to figure out how to use even more, you know, Swiss chard or whatever. Um, that, 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 that is its reward. The reward isn't that someday I'm going to do this for people who are going to pay me and then I'm going to yeah. be, you know, celebrated as like a great food person. It's, it's because it's because the action is pleasing to me and I enjoy it and I enjoy the benefits of it. And I think that's really, you know, that's, that gets lost a little bit in, in, in all of this art stuff, which is that, that, that really, you know, the artist needs to be in it for their own reasons and for their own satisfaction. And the stuff that happens beyond it when you're done with it is, is just so beyond your control. And there's such an element of arbitrary yeah. luck to it that it would, it's just really silly to tie your self-esteem to it if you can avoid it. I know why people do and, you know, but, but, but it's, if you can avoid doing that, I think you're going to be better off. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I want to sort of add on to that the people, what they assign the value to isn't like, the blame isn't on people like individually. And this is what society right. has done. Right, right. I'm not, I'm not blaming individuals for that. Abs- thank you for saying that. This That's is not, this is not yeah. like, oh, this narcissistic, you know, artist somewhere is like, can't like, no, this is, this is what's been done. Um, it affects everything. It affects like why you have a job. Why I, like any of us have this, yeah. you know, um, you know, it's, it is a little weird to see, like, I think we all slowed down what you're talking about, you know, just peeling vegetables, making a good meal during the pandemic and to see it bounce back so fast and worse after, yeah, uh, to be expected though, but there was some hope. Um, uh, but th- I mean, that's why I don't leave my house anymore. <laughs> um, uh, no, I I just um, yeah. I guess with all of this, like just like I don't know. Think think about think a little more about what what you do and and what it means. Yeah, yeah. I mean the act the act has to have meaning to you. That's really the. I think that's it. I think that's it. And then, and then figure out, okay, does that act like important component is that it do no harm to others. Right. Right. You don't, and it doesn't have to benefit other people. That's the thing. It just can't do no harm. Yeah. Uh, but if, you know, so if you want to make a record that is just you farting or your cat farting, triple album, 170 minutes. <laughs> the technology exists now. You can do it. You can do it. Um, yeah. And but just don't expect anybody else to be interested in it. Yeah. Do it. But also t- tie it back and close this out. Much like Cassiopeia and Japanese jazz, 
be delighted if someone else is. <laughs> okay. Be ending on a positive note. <laughs> well done. Well done. Yeah. I mean, you have to like if if listening to music, if listening to us talk, uh, uh, going to shows and stuff isn't delightful, then figure out what is delightful to you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so. that's gonna be it for me. That's, I don't. I can't. I can't top that. I can't add anything to All it. Right. All right. We got two more episodes. Uh, they'll be shorter than this. <laughs> we got this was built up for a year. We got it all. It's out. been a while. It's been a while. It's yeah. been a while. But we'll get it all out, and then uh, and then we're gonna take a break, and then we're gonna come back, and maybe it'll be on the maybe maybe next year we'll just talk to people. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we have to, we have to listen to our own words. Maybe. <laughs> all right. I'll see you guys later. Okay. Okay.